0: And it's also about the '90s. Oh, it's very severely about the '90s, even though it was made in '91. Mm-hmm. Like it's a '90s. It really film. just like it just stuck its toe into the '90s and was like mm, nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like I can predict what the rest of this decade will be about. <laughs> keanu Thong shall continue.
1: Yes, we are only in the first few miles of this We're really just
0: scratching the surface. We haven't even
1: started to chafe yet.
0: Oh, not, no. It's like early in the evening, (laughs) you're feeling good. Yeah. No, the chafing, the feet hurting has not begun. We're feeling invincible. It's us, Renee. (laughs) And Quinn. And this is your next obsession. Your next
1: obsession. What this podcast is, what we strive to do show you what we're obsessed with, talk about it, unpack it, get to the bottom of it, get in touch with each other with our feelings, with our what brings us joy <laughs> and what brings us together.
0: Yes. That's perfect. Beautiful. And Thank we you. hope we hope that you are both inspired to watch the movies we recommend mm-hmm. and to think about your own niche obsessions. Yeah. Doesn't have to be a film. No, doesn't have to be a film this, and, and this the... is just the Keanu season. Exactly. It's uh... I like to call it Keanu 3s instead of Reeves for the third season. I'll work on it. I'm workshopping it. We'll figure it out.
1: She decided to, to take that one out for a test drive. I did. I had been pondering it. I thought, let's see how it feels in the air. So we're a couple eps in. Mm-hmm. I feel like each each one we've come a little bit closer to Keanu's essence. Mm-hmm. The oeuvre
0: of Keanu, if you will.
1: And we will. And this week, it's kind of, um, it's kind of a, uh, uh, kind of a, uh, kind of a two-shot. Where we're taking we? this
0: one together. Yes, okay. I was we're, wondering we're where co-pilots. that sentence
1: was going. <laughs> <laughs> we're co-pilots, co-captains of this app.
0: I love it, yes. <laughs> Accurate. Both hands, four hands on the wheel. Fully it. That's the best way to drive. It's <laughs> the safest way. Yes. More hands are better. More hands are better. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, as we've mentioned in, in, The the previous episodes were taking a little bit of a deviation from our usual setup Mm -hmm. just to really fully embrace all that is Keanu Reeves and sometimes that means tag teaming an obsession. Absolutely. And that's fine. I will say that I only became obsessed with this movie because of you. So it's apt. Apt indeed. What are we talking about today, Quinn? Today we're talking about Point Break. Not to be confused with The Big Chill. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what you thought it was. Which is what I thought. I forgot about (laughs) when I described it to you. And you're like, I didn't know he was in that. Right, 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 right. right. And then it's happened uh, actually on more than one occasion where I get them confused because in my brain, the Big Chill gives the image of a big wave. (laughs) (laughs) And I have zero idea what the Big Chill is about. So it's... The other day somebody said, the soundtrack of the Big Chill is great. And I was like, you know, I just watched it, but I don't recall that. But sure. And then really quickly remembered that it was Point Break Mm
1: -hmm. that I was thinking of. Not the big
0: chill. Not, You're going to have to see the big chill at some point. Or maybe just never. And I will just always think that it is Point Break.
1: The big chill is... A very different movie It's got Kevin <laughs> Klein And a bunch of other people I think Marcia Gay Harden oh. A bunch of other people And it's about like a group of college friends Like mm. 20 years later who are coming together For like a reunion and then they all fight It's like The Breakfast right. Club But fast forward 30 years So Mm-mm.
0: not there's, Keanu
1: There's no surfing, no Keanu no, to be found So then what's the point? <laughs> yeah that's why, we're not talking, that's why we're not talking about The this Big Chill This episode
0: is not about The Big Chill <laughs> It's about Point Break <laughs> I love it. I would like to say, okay, so you watched you watched Point Break before I did. True. Loved it. You were like, this is bonkers crazy. Because you should watch it. During
1: the pandemic, we both took the opportunity to really delve into certain genres of films that we weren't as versed Correct. in. Meaning, you know, we both watched a bunch of horror movies, we both watched a bunch of action movies, and uh, really went deep into the canon.
0: Yes, I will say that I probably... I've always loved action movies, but I definitely took the pandemic to watch all of the Fast and Furious movies. (laughs) Also, while I was doing research for this episode, somebody pointed out that the first Fast and Furious movie and Point Break have very similar plot points. Oh, well, I've never seen any of the Fast and Furious,
1: so... That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, but I watched Point Break first. Yes, definitely less of an action movie fan than you to begin with um but really have come to appreciate the genre a whole lot more and um i think like many people during the pandemic i really craved escapism mm-hmm. big exciting Action packed, plot heavy, not character driven, irrational, yeah, irrational, <laughs> illogical, emotional. illogical. That's
0: the word I was looking for. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'm, I'm detached from any kind of any kind of desire to watch a movie with a with a logical logical plot or believable characters. Or I'm, I don't yeah. need it.
0: No, or really anything sad. Yeah, I stopped watching anything dramatic. Yeah, me
1: too. I really, I can't be bothered. I don't have time. There's enough sadness around. Agreed. And I no longer care if a movie is bad. I merely wish to enjoy it. and I, I love I, it. Yes. That and, has always been my philosophy. <laughs> and, and you know what? I it took me a long time to get on the bandwagon, but I am so much better for it. No longer an elitist when it comes to a film. Ugh, good uh, work. I, I no longer care whether or not it is quote unquote good. Again, I, I, I merely pay attention to whether or not I am enjoying it, and it does not need to be good for me to enjoy
0: it. Uh, I would argue... <laughs> The worse it is, the more enjoyable it is.
1: I agree. To me. <laughs> and this movie, Point Break, really hits that sweet spot. Oh, it
0: so does. Of
1: being good enough mm-hmm. that there are some legitimate, unironic things to really appreciate about it. And absurd enough that you're also like, how the fuck did we get here? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. How the fuck did we get here? How did... Who in the writing room was like... Yes.
1: Again, we've established all feature films
0: have a writing <laughs> I don't know how any of this works. I guess maybe like the pit in the pit. Yeah, the production, pro- the pre-production process. The day process. before when they were doing the scene breakdown, <laughs> they were like, wait, I'm sorry. the Storyboarding. What happens in this scene? <laughs> Excuse me? And then they're yeah. like, no, it's fine. <laughs> we really aren't interested in realism. No. No, not at all. I think we've established that the Keanu movies that we will be talking about. If you go to the, don't go to the movies for realism. Okay. You're just limiting yourself. No, just open your eyes and wake up. That's yeah. what you need to see. Realism. True that.
1: <laughs> Take off. Stop Enough taking love. your
0: antidepressants. <laughs> then you'll know what realism is. No. So, nobody wants that. Um, mm-hmm. No, nobody wants that. So if our listeners have not seen Point Break, mm-hmm. what's the like, the elevator pitch synopsis, do you think? Well I don't want you to read it. I want you to tell me from your brain what you think the synopsis <laughs> is. Okay, here's my synopsis. I love it.
1: This film is a is a romance, I think, at its heart. This is a love story. Oh my god, already, already, <laughs> already a hot take. This this movie it. is a love story between one Johnny Utah, an FBI agent, and one Bodie, surfer and bank robber. It's it's I'm not going to say bromance because I think it is a true romance. I think it is
0: a romance. I also just have an issue with the word bromance, but that is, like, for other reasons. We don't need to get into it right now.
1: We'll unpack it. Yeah. <laughs> um. And it's it's about hard choices. It's about surfing. It's about loyalty. Mm-hmm. And
0: it's about being a little bit gay. Yeah. I think it's about, you know, sexuality as a spectrum. Um, yes. I would add mm-hmm. to that. Please. Really... I think appropriate synopsis. It is also a love story mm-hmm. between what is Patrick Swayze's character's name? Bodie. Bodie. You literally just said it. <laughs> Bodie and the ocean. <laughs> You're not wrong, right?
1: <laughs> it's also the Little merman. <laughs> it, is, it is also. <laughs> The third
0: installment in the Little Mermaid sequence.
1: This man will do anything to commune with the ocean. He really will. Including and not limited to robbing a shit ton of banks.
0: Right. And I think that brings us into the main plot of the movie. <laughs> Which we is not important. It's really not important because it's about the... Re- I know that we said that this wasn't character based, but it really is about the relationship between, as you said, one Johnny Utah and Bodie.
1: <laughs> you got it.
0: And Johnny Utah, obviously played by the one and only Keanu. Keanu Reeve, little baby face. Oh, he, Keanu he is. Reeves. I would say I really
1: dig his haircut in this movie.
0: I completely agree. Mm-hmm. I All completely the haircuts agree. in this
1: movie are really great. I would also. When, or lack thereof.
0: That's true. Um, when in the arc of Patrick Swayze's career. Mm hmm. Did Point Break fall. So we're post
1: Dirty Dancing. Okay. This was, I think, a big one after that. I'm not sure what he did in between. I mean, I guess I could fucking look Mm -hmm. it up. I guess that's
0: always an option. Because I ask, because Mm -hmm. as we've noted about the Keanu movies so far, is it's always like all of the movies that we've talked about and I think are going to talk about. Yeah. It's like, really? (laughs) Those people? (laughs) It's like... Yeah, Keanu, Keanu
1: and and Pat and and Patty Swayze. Here's the thing: it's always a surprise. Whoever it is. is in a movie with him, whatever movies he's in, you're always like, "Oh, yeah." He's always doing the unexpected, and that is what we love. This is such an also an interesting career move for Patrick Swayze. So yeah, Dirty Dancing came out in 1987. Oh, so this was like pretty quick after that. Yeah, a few years after, but obviously that was what he was most famous for. And this came out how many years is that like? Four. Four, four years later, and. Well, Ghost obviously came out in 1990. Oh, so, well, this is on the heels of Ghost. Wow. That is What I will say is that this movie is a departure in that Ghost and Dirty Dancing in both he's a romantic lead. Yeah. I would argue he is still a romantic lead yes, in point as of break. Established. But he's also an antagonist. <laughs> he
0: is. He's he's the um but he's not a villain. No. So, let's let's tell the people what this <laughs> <movie's> actually about. <laughs> <laughs> so, essentially just the, facts. the boring fact synopsis is that the FBI is tracking these, um, a, a, a series of bank robbers. robbers. They're mm-hmm. called the ex-presidents because they wear, um, president masks. Rubber of, masks yeah, of different presidents. Of, um, past presidents. And the FBI, like, can't find them because they do it in, like, little spurts and then stop and then do it again and then stop. And at one point they're like, oh, they figure out that they, they're surfers because of, like, evidence. Yeah, whatever. They figure it it out. It doesn't matter. And then they're like, you know what we should do? Try and infiltrate. We should infiltrate the surf gang. I should also say this film takes place
1: in Los Angeles in Southern California. Yeah. Which at the time, I actually looked this up after I watched this film because I was like, How how is this I mean, not that it's a realistic film in any sense, but I was like, what made them Yeah, what made them choose that? This seems like so many bank robberies, but actually it was very common, like much, much, much more common to have bank robberies like this happen. At the time, there was kind of a rash of bank robberies in the late 80s, early 90s in in Southern California. So it's actually kind of tapping into something that was more relevant for the time, like... I can't think of the last time I heard about a bank robbery. No. Yeah, they kind of don't happen anymore because the internet—it's so easy to steal money yeah. online, Other remotely ways. from the comfort of your home. Oh God, yeah. It's Why true. risk going into a bank? Yeah, um, and also there's just not that much money in banks anymore. Very true. It's all just um, numbers on a screen.
0: Yeah, it's also just like with security and mm-hmm. people's phones. And it's just—it's easier to do it. Yeah, online and, and cryptically. True enough, but
1: anyway, yes. Johnny Utah is the FBI agent assigned to infiltrate this because they're game like of surfing. Who are
0: robbers. you? Are an attractive young man. You're an ex athlete. You used to play football, which is absolutely a transferable skill to
1: <laughs> surfing. Yeah. Mm. And he, what I love is that he immediately finds them. Like
0: yeah, oh, immediately <laughs> within hours. Would you like to tell us your favorite line from this movie? <laughs> yeah.
1: The most incredible line of dialogue in the entire film, and it's not close, is early. I would say within the first 45 minutes, f- or even maybe half an hour, they've gotten all the exposition out of the way. We know who these bank robbers are. We know who Keanu is. Johnny Utah. We know who his partner is. Whatever. And they say, we need you. We need you to do this. You're the man for the job. Gary Busey can't do it because he's old. Gary Busey plays Keanu's partner. partner. Yes. Um, and Keanu goes, I'm going to get close to the microphone. Do, do get, get all in there. <clears throat> Are you telling me that the FBI is going to pay me to learn
0: to surf? And what more needs to be said? <laughs> that really is the synopsis of the movie, actually I think, cuz you get the you get the undercover, you get the surfing. You get the FBI. You get... You don't need to know anything else. Yes, he is fully on the FBI's payroll and just goes to the
1: beach for weeks. Yes, and <laughs>
0: as you very astutely noted, he's like, we're going to go undercover. Mm-hmm. It's going to be this whole operation. Because, and again, just...
1: they don't know the identity of these bank robbers because no. of the face masks.
0: And he immediately finds he them. He goes to a cafe, <laughs> sees a woman, played by... Lori Penny. Yep. And... <laughs> and conveniently enough, oh look at this beautiful woman who also happens to be a surfer and also happens to be very closely knit with the gang of surfers who are doing the bank robberies. Like, what a convenient turn of Just turn of events. Really
1: doesn't even have to work. He goes to one beach one time yeah. and has already succeeded. And he's like, this is why they pay me so much. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, Renee, but there is more than one beach in Southern California that people surf at. In fact,
0: there are. <laughs> in fact, there are. Dozen. Yes. And they usually mix it up. (laughs) They do, but they're also like very much, um, Surfers are known to be very like territorial. Yes. So there are different beaches, but there also you will find like the same the same groups at the same ones who get very territorial. True that. And that is how he gets in with them. And then she teaches her to she teaches him to surf. Yes. Isn't it that first he tries to go teach himself,
1: and then she's there and saves him from drowning? Maybe. I think that's what happens because she sees him trying to surf, and he obviously doesn't know what he's doing.
0: But they meet in a cafe. No,
1: I think then he finds out where she works and goes to meet her there. Oh, and then okay. so like she saves him and is like, Hey, you shouldn't be out here, it's not safe. You don't know what you're doing. Um, you can't surf here, like, don't come back. And then he
0: figures out who she is and goes goes to where she works and is like, I need you to teach me. Oh, right. And then that's when he comes up with the elaborate backstory about his family. (laughs) That's
1: when he (laughs) becomes a lying liar who lies and tells the most elaborate lie that he does not need to fabricate. (laughs) Because he
0: finds out that like her mom died or something. And then he like talks about his mom dying or something along those lines. It's like very manipulative. And it's like very 90s movie where it's like, you know that you're going to fall in love and it's going to come back at the end and it's it's going to be like, yeah.
1: (laughs) The point is, he makes up this ridiculous lie that is completely unnecessary and very, like, honestly very manipulative it's and personally, great. personally wounding, and it makes no sense.
0: Right. So that happens. Mm-hmm. I would like to note that we have not seen this movie in a little while, and mm-hmm. you read a synopsis, I watched a synopsis, mm-hmm. which I think is... A, appropriate for who we are as people and it should be said
1: when i did watch this movie the edible hit about an hour in we love that i mean that's the best time
0: for it to hit in this movie um so this is all uh, could be true and then like they're staking out this bank and we're just gonna very shoddily tell you the plot of this story they go to the bank to stake it out and then while they're there um, the bank gets robbed By while the dead presidents yes ex-presidents right and so the, the real turning point in the movie mm-hmm. is this scene when they are witnessing the bank robbery Keanu runs after one of them who we assume is the Patrick Swayze character to this point we have not gotten confirmation confirmation that like these are the gang but we but like he knows. 95% know yeah, yeah.
1: And Keanu is getting closer and closer to the truth that it is them and also getting more and more close emotionally with the Patrick Swayze character. Exactly.
0: And that is what happens is that there is a a moment where he's running after him and it's just the two of them. Mm -hmm. His partner isn't there. Patrick Mm -hmm. Swayze's partners aren't there. No witness. No witnesses. And he has the choice. Yeah, He has the shot. He Mm -hmm. could shoot him. And instead, he does a very dramatic he's on the ground and he does a very dramatic like turn up into the air and yells and then like unloads his entire gun into the air which first of all is very dangerous yeah you shouldn't do you that you should not do that especially if you're a a, a, a trained law enforcement well <laughs> but
1: like obviously you should not do that yeah don't it doesn't don't stop shoot people, bullets into the air doesn't stop
0: real law enforcement officers in real life from doing it but it's still wrong they will come down it will be painful, or you're shooting lots of birds. Either way, not great. Anyway, and then then we see as the audience, we're like, oh, where do his loyalties lie? He's in too deep. Where is the love now? Here, because he's also a rookie. Like this is his
1: first big. Case oh my god, that's such a FBI. good point.
0: That's such a good point because it's like. You know, had he been a seasoned officer It could be mm-hmm. like, oh, okay He's been good. down this road before, yeah. perhaps
1: Gary Busey is the more seasoned of the two God, it's a classic It's a classic Speed situation Very similar <laughs> to Speed Where, you know, he has somebody in the wings Kind of coaching him through The older mentor Yes, also an older blonde white, white man. man classic There you go <laughs> You have to contrast with Keanu They needed a, a contrast He's kind of the father figure Yeah Sure. Okay. We'll go. We'll go for it. Fine. Why not? Maybe a nice uncle. <laughs> a fun uncle. A fun uncle. A fun uncle. And Keanu is sort of the young rookie who takes a lot of risks mm-hmm. because he expects the great reward,
0: but perhaps does not anticipate the complications. Yeah, he is not seasoned. He has not been down this path before. Correct. So that happens, and obviously, since he is not masked now, they know they that know he's the that he's a cop. cop. Yeah. With but the feds. does he still keep going back? This is where it gets muddy. Because there's a lot of... T- you know, now that you said it was romantic, I really do see... There was a lot of sexual tension between the two of oh, them. Oh, it it's not even subtle. No, it is palpable. There's a lot of furtive glances. The sexual tension is palpable. It, it's thick. Yeah, very thick. And at one point... It doesn't matter where in the story this happens. But mm-hmm. essentially they're like, oh, he's a cop. And they have a lot of moments where they are still in communication. And Pat- it, And it's interesting because you're like, does Patrick Swayze not know what's going on? There's like a lot of tension between them. And then they kidnap mm-hmm. the woman from the beginning. The woman who taught him how to surf. Mm-hmm. Remind me of her character's name? Tyler. Tyler. Oh, we, we love a gender neutral name. Yes, we do. Um... And she also has a very um, like masculine haircut.
1: Lori Petty was famous for such
0: a cute haircut. It's adorable. I mean, it's just practical for surfing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and they somehow are on a
1: plane together. No, it's that um. So the shootout or the not the shootout that doesn't happen. (gasps) The shootout that never was. The shootout that never was occurs, and then you are correct. Utah goes to their campfire at the beach. And his identity is revealed. Like, Why it's does con- he do that? Because he's an idiot. Because he's in love with Patrick Swayze. So he goes back <laughs> and true. they're like, yes, you're right. We are the ex-presidents and we know you're in the FBI. And then shortly a- thereafter, they briefly hold him at gunpoint. Like, hey, maybe we'll kill you. But then again, like Keanu, Patrick also doesn't take the shot. Probably because he remembers that Keanu didn't either. And, and you know, there's some real affection there. Mm-hmm. And so, but what he does say is that we're done. But shortly afterward, Bodie aggressively is like, we're going skydiving. Oh, You're
0: right. Right, right, right. That is what happens.
1: And after they go skydiving with a parachute, because they go twice, once oh with God. a parachute, Classic. and then, of course, the famous scene oh, after without a parachute. I love that scene. Bodhi says that um, Tyler has been ki- is being held hostage, at which point um, Utah is blackmailed mm-hmm. into helping the ex-presidents with a robbery. Okay, I literally
0: do not remember yeah. any of this happening. I <laughs> just watched the the recap. recap. Didn't mention any of this part. Uh, okay, so then how does he get back on the plane? That's after. No, I know, but why? Like, what? When? When does that part happen? So there's the
1: initial sky dive. Correct. There's this robbery that that they're foiled. The cops come and okay. they don't get away, and and Keanu is arrested, and they. And the, the his partner, and then arrested whatever, and then it figures out, oh, okay, you're with the FBI. And then they follow, because this bank robbery went wrong, right? It, right. Got, it got interrupted. And so the ex-presidents go to the airport because they're going to go to Mexico or something. Oh, okay. And then the yeah. FBI comes and chases them, and then at the airport, he jumps onto their plane. And that's when they skydive out of Classic. it. But in that whole situation, because he's trying to save Tyler, um, in that whole situation, Gary Busey,
0: the Papa's character, is killed. Right. Is shot. There's a shootout, again, a shootout at the airport. Shootout at the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so this is what happens. He gets onto the plane. Yeah. All of them skydive off except for Patrick Swayze. The two of them are on the plane together. Oh no, I'm so sorry. Oh
1: my god. Utah is actually kind of kidnapped. Like, Bodie forces him onto the plane at gunpoint. Their escape plane. And there's sort of a situation where it's like, okay. are, is he going to join them or is he going to go back?
0: Regardless. Regardless. He gets on the plane. Yes, he does. They all skydive off. Patrick Swayze <laughs> skydives off. Johnny Utah does not have a parachute. No. All he has is a gun. Mm-hmm. And what does he decide to do? To also jump out of the plane. No parachute. No parachute. Doesn't need it. Yeah. It's an
1: incredible scene. And then in, the entire scene takes place as they're jumping as out they of plane. As they are
0: falling. In real time. And it's pretty crazy. Yes. It's, it's incredible. He has to go. I mean, look, because they obviously are going to be falling at the same rate and Patrick Swayze jumps out 1st The only way he can catch up to Patrick Swayze in the air is if he literally, like, nosedives out of this fucking plane. Yes. He just goes fully headfirst out of this plane, seemingly for a woman he, like, barely knows. And also lied to. And also, like, very much lied to and also, like, is just his beard...
1: For yeah, his let's love be real. of Patty.
0: But he doesn't want another innocent person to die. No, I mean, like, <sighs> fine, whatever, but reckless. Very reckless. He 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 grabs onto Patrick Swayze. They have a whole scene in the air, which takes forever and is crazy and amazing. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is amazing. It's much like the bus scene in Speed. True. It's that. like, oh, we went there.
1: Okay. <laughs> What's right. the craziest they really like up the ante at...
0: At every act break, they up the ante They do. I have That's such, a classic action movie thing. It really uh, Fast and Furious does that mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but I distinctly remember when I was watching that movie and Patrick Swayze jumped out and then I looked at Keanu Reeves on the screen and I was like, is, is he Is he about to jump out of this plane? Psalms mm-hmm. parachute. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And he fucking does. He fucking does. He does it. And interestingly enough, obviously not shocking, because Patrick Swayze is a trained dancer, a professional mm-hmm. dancer, did all of his own stunts for the skydiving sequence. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Good for you, Patrick. Um. So that's like the most bonkers thing that I think happens. And then, okay, just rewind for a moment. Back mm-hmm. to like me saying it's also a love story between Patrick Swayze and the sea. And throughout the movie, we hear all of these like, Patrick Swayze's character I think the reason that they are attracted to each other, in my mind, is you see that they are both, like, equally as reckless in their professions, which is kind of interesting because Patrick Swayze's character constantly gets described as, like, the bad boy, mm-hmm. the the rogue one, because he will surf, like, any, any wave, he will surf, like, the craziest ones and his, like, whole life goal is to surf this big wave mm-hmm. that will come with the 50-year storm, which right. he, like, predicts is going to happen next year. Is he a meteorologist? Who knows? He, but Bodhi is described as sort of, like, a spiritual guru of
1: a kind, right? Like, people kind of, he's not unlike a cult leader, honestly.
0: He, Yeah, he, he definitely has his group and is very charismatic. And very
1: spiritual. Like, yeah. he, he talks about the ocean and about surfing in a very
0: spiritual way
1: lot of people uh, who surf do yeah well there's a lot of christian
0: surfers well that and also like you have to be one with the wave you do you have to believe in a power greater than yourself yeah. um so that is how the movie ends yeah is that they, utah has tracked him all the yes. way to australia they get away yeah they get away and yes he tracks him all the way to australia and years in a later very romantic Mm -hmm. scene they are Mm -hmm. on the beach together Mm -hmm. it is pouring rain because it it is the 50-year storm after all (laughs) it is pouring rain both of their hair just like wonderfully sensual disheveled yeah and it's like ooh, didn't really try but like we're in the rain standing together he handcuffs himself to patrick swayze to be like you're not gonna get away and then patrick swayze that I think it's the last scene of the movie but perhaps the pinnacle scene for Bodhi's character Mm -hmm. and he turns to Keanu and he's like let me just ride this wave Mm -hmm. and then you can take me like you can take me in I will go to prison that is fine but I need to ride this wave Mm -hmm. his whole life has been leading up to this one wave and Keanu is like okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) ever the professional had he learned nothing no clearly not. He learned
0: nothing except <laughs> How is he pal- still employed?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he made so many mistakes and yet continued to be employed by the Federal Bureau of Investigation.
0: They were like, uh, I guess it's gonna take too long to find somebody else mm-hmm. who can surf, so mm-hmm. I guess we'll keep you. Yeah. And then he yeah, he he unlatches the the handcuffs. Patrick Swayze goes into the ocean, does not surf the wave, he like kind of gets up and then the wave just like crushes on top of him and that's how it fucking ends. He dies.
1: He dies. He drowns to death. And Johnny Utah throws his FBI badge into the
0: sea. Yeah, as like a, both uh, a tribute to his great love and to Mother Ocean. Yeah. Sayonara to both. And that is point break. (laughs) Yeah. It is a pretty convoluted
1: movie. So it makes sense that we had a hard time getting through all of the plot. But the plot is really not the point. You Mm -hmm. just need to know that it's like about the connection that these two men share. That's unlike a connection they have with anyone else including any women. No, they <laughs> they deeply love each other. They really do. They really do. It's beautiful. And I think what's interesting is that for the it's one of those movies that I think for a lot of people, a lot of dudes, feels very resonant. Mm. But not but not because they want to acknowledge that there's any kind of homoeroticism present. They're just like, no, it's just about two guys who really care about each other and they they're just
0: really good friends and blah blah blah. And also with like surfing and guns yeah. and bank robbery. Super manly. And it's like no. It no. is quite tender. It's very tender. The two like it them. is. It's very tender. It's very homoerotic and very moving. It is. I will say the last scene. I mean, I'm just a sucker for any rain scene, but yeah. it is beautiful. It is. And let's be honest, who among us
1: wouldn't also follow Patrick Swayze around the world? Oh god. He's sign me up. He's bewitching. (laughs) He is enchanting. He is such a good
0: antagonist because he's so likable. That is the great thing about this movie is that it's like clearly he is supposed to be the villain. And he is scary. And he he is. And they they do a really good job of 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 creating tension. Mm-hmm. I think I think they also do a good job of like until you really really see that it is Patrick Swayze robbing the banks. Mm-hmm. I thought a fun twist was going to be that like he gets into this whole surfer gang and then it's not them. Mm-hmm. Like it ends up being a different group, but that obviously did not happen. Uh, <laughs> (laughs) Um, but you actually, for like a while, could be going back and forth. Yeah. There's some ambiguity. And then it's like, oh, did he not shoot him? And then it's the wrong person or like... But you get the sense that he knows. I mean, yeah. But Patrick Swayze,
1: he becomes kind of a mentor to the Keanu Reeves character. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. And he sort of starts to mentor him about like the surfing lifestyle, you know, traveling The because that's the premise, right? Is that the ex-presidents, they rob the banks to fund their surfing habit because they travel the world... Chasing the next big yeah. wave, chasing the 50-year storm. Oh, that's also whatever. how
0: they knew that it was surfers, because it, it was, like, only happening during in the, the, like, off-season yeah. or something, mm-hmm. or whatever.
1: Yeah, it was to fund their um, when they're, expedition. Yeah, when they're not robbing banks, they're, like, traveling the world, and it's for a cause. Yeah, it's for a reason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're ruining lives nice. and killing people <laughs> for a reason. For sport. And for spirituality. Well, also that. Whatever, but that is the great thing about Patrick Swayze in this movie is like he's so likable mm-hmm. that even though they set him up as the villain and they set up some scenes that are kind of like legit, like ooh, you're kind of fucked up, like yeah, and you're he a is spooky, violent, scary, violent. Yes, you still can, you can still see where Keanu is coming from. Like you, you don't look at Keanu and be like. Really? Why did you... Like, you see why why he was enticed. Like, you, you, you can empathize with his decision-making. Yeah, and you get that Patrick
1: Swayze really sees him in a way that no one else does. And vice versa. And vice I versa. I feel like
0: because... You know, Patrick Swayze is surrounded by these people who really idolize him, and Keanu like genuinely does take him to, like he finds him. Yeah, you know, and he calls his bluff, and he is his an- most most relevant antagonist. Yeah, as it's well. a real it's a real cat and mouse. Situation. It is that is a really good way of putting it.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, there's that random beach scene where they play football <laughs> in jeans and leather at night. Question mark. <laughs> Don't know why they do that at night. Again, at night,
1: why? <laughs> and I think that that's part of how Keanu's cover starts to be blown, is that they kind of recognize him because he played college football. And oh, it, I think, sure. isn't that part of it that later he's like, I kind of knew who you were. Maybe I made that part up. I don't know. We could be making that up, but who, who's to say? <laughs> I could see that happening. Um, that's part of it. They're like, I mean, whatever. I think they kind they don't know that he's Johnny Utah, but they kind of recognize that he was a college football player.
0: Yeah, and he also, like, is very clearly an, an outsider. Yeah, an outsider athlete. and an athlete, yeah. Anyway, <sighs> that's a point break. That is a point break. I think, would you say, yeah, I would say point break is more serious than speed. Yes, definitely. Yeah. It's less obviously
1: absurd in that way that sort of, like, 80s and 90s action movies were. Like, Die Hard is a great movie, mm. but it's also, like, insane. Oh, and This yeah, yeah, movie yeah. is insane, but not as much as speed speed like i could kind of maybe in theory this could happen in theory this is more slightly more plausible more plausible except for the except for the skydiving skydiving scene (laughs) yeah um although some of that is really shots of them skydiving like i think they pieced together it with like stunt people or whatever but like as i said patrick swayze did all of his own jumps for the film and really loved it ended up really liking it a lot um like, all, obviously, none of that dialogue sure. could not yeah, do yeah.
0: skydiving, so that was all, you know, ADR whatever. Because it would have just sounded like <laughs> <laughs> That's not, what it would have sounded skydiving
1: like. Skydiving is not conducive to a big heart-to-heart, which is kind of what happens in the which scene. Which is what happens <laughs> in
0: the scene. I wish the whole scene was just each of them saying, what? What did you say? <laughs> I'm sorry, could you repeat
1: Um, Yeah, it's too good. Um, Yeah, so like that really is the point that really stretches.
0: Sure. But yeah, like you know, the fun thing about those, like the fun, the reason there's so many movies about like people going undercover Mm -hmm. is because there is that fun tension of like, will you stay loyal? Will you get dragged in? Will you like Mm -hmm. sucked into the to the life? Um, It really just it's a very easy. Story device that has a lot of options. And it's classic for, like, a hero's journey mm-hmm. style of thing where it's, like, this
1: person goes into this story, this arc, thinking that they have an understanding of who they are, thinking that they understand the difference between right and wrong, yeah. the difference between good and evil, and they have to question that and eventually rediscover who they are. Mm-hmm. And be reborn to end, you know, the rest of that cycle. And that's really what happens to Keanu is that meeting and, I think, falling in love with the Bodie patrick Swayze character makes him really question who he is, makes him question his sexuality. Let's be real. Let's be real. (laughs) Let's be real. They should have kissed.
0: (sighs) That would have been such a... In the rain. They should have kissed. In that scene. They (sighs) should have just kissed. Uh, That would have been great. Interestingly enough that Patrick Swayze is also an older... Blonde, white man Yeah Who, <laughs> like, mentors him I think
1: maybe when they were pitching Here's the thing I don't think p- Perhaps in the direction of it It was meant I don't really I don't think it was intended to be homoerotic No,
0: I don't think it was either But it
1: is It is because it's just also just, like, two
0: very attractive men Two
1: very like. attractive <laughs> men And, like, let's who who wouldn't fall in love with Keanu or Patrick Swayze?
0: And so, like, the, it's built in the tension, It's built in As we began this segment with It is undeniable. The tension is undeniable. Whether or not it was intentional, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Undeniable. It's there. It's there. Yeah, whether or not it was intentional, it's there. Another
1: interesting fact about this movie, just to redirect for a moment. um, Renee, do you know who the director of this film is? I don't. Catherine Bigelow. Uh, The only woman uh. ever to win an Oscar for directing. For not
0: for this movie, obviously. Okay. (laughs) I was like, "Mm, sorry. For the Hurt Locker. What? Okay, because I was about to say, didn't the woman who did the Hurt Locker get... It's Catherine. Bigelow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is a Catherine Bigelow film. So unique. It's not really a a genre that, I mean, let's be real, no genre is really Uh, favorable to female directors or female storytellers or female characters or female writers or female actors. But but especially the action. Especially the action movie genre. Um, Yeah, in particular, very few women directors in the action movie genre, but she directed this film. At the time, she was married to James Cameron, who was a producer Uh on the film. Oh, and so that's part of you know I don't I don't think she got the job because she was married to James Cameron. She's also a very successful director yeah. in her own right. But you know in the circle, part, yeah, yes, yeah. it's just the way it goes. But yes, she is the director of this film, and I think it's actually a pretty impeccably directed film, craft
0: wise. I, I would have to, I would tend to agree. Some really complicated sequences. I mean, again, as we have said so many times, even though the story maybe is a little convoluted, you get you get the tension. You get the relationships. You get the vision. You get. There's a very clear um, tone of yeah. the movie. As with as with any
1: Keanu project, because he is so classically underestimated, and because his style of acting can seem so over the top or mm-hmm. whatever, like it kind of it seems like he has a shtick. When you say that you love a movie like Point Break or you love an actor like Keanu Reeves, people are like, "Oh, they must mean it ironically." Yeah. I love this movie unironically.
0: No, it's a great
1: movie. And I love Keanu unironically. Oh, yeah. No, we've established this, but it will bear repeating. It bears repeating. This movie is crazy. Mm-hmm. And it really makes you think about what makes a good movie. And mm-hmm. um, believability, uh, narrative cohesion, or simplicity not important. <laughs> Not the point. <laughs> but yes, I love this movie unironically. I actually think it's really well made. Mm-hmm. And I think it shows that like when you're when you're working within the trappings of a specific genre, it limits you, yes, but it also allows you to take bigger risks and be so creative, right? Like the action genre, horror movie genres, whatever, you're allowed to kind of bend the rules oh, yeah. of storytelling and like take bigger risks and really go for it really take big swings, and that's really what I appreciate in movies, and it's kind of unimportant to me whether they succeed or not, because the tension is built in and I appreciate I appreciate the effort, and I appreciate the risk mm-hmm. as an audience member. Yeah, I,
0: I I would say that I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. I think it's a statement. much less elitist way to appreciate movies. I mean, look, all entertainment is, I mean, it's entertainment. You're yes. supposed to be entertained. Yes. And if you are not then maybe it's not good. And good, obviously, is incredibly subjective. It is. But I would agree that this is a good movie. This is a good movie. I think what makes it good also is that, um, how am I going to put this? It, like, <laughs> it, 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 You could really watch it anytime, in yes. any mood, because it touches on a lot of different themes and emotions.
1: <laughs> yes. It's the straightest
0: gay movie or the gayest mm. straight movie. I don't think there's anything else to add. No. I think that is it. That is it. <laughs> Some other fun facts about this film. Let's
1: do, ju- yeah. Uh, Patrick Swayze, Lori Petty, and Keanu Reeves all learned to surf for this movie. I was
0: going to ask you about that because mm-hmm. there's so many scenes of Patrick Swayze surfing. Yeah, it's him. And you can see his face.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is him surfing. Keanu, I think Keanu and Lori Petty did also work, work with stunt doubles, but um, Patrick Swayze insisted on doing all of his own surfing stunts. And as a result, um, broke a couple ribs. Yeah, surfing's fucking hard. Surfing is very hard and dangerous. It is. you. The ocean is scary. And that's a big theme in this movie. It is. It's a big metaphor, and it's a big metaphor for the big feelings, don't you think? Like, the waves, the time, it's all, like, washing over you, and it's like, you're it comes kind of at the mercy of these big forces that are out of your control. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we went to college. We got there.
0: <laughs> I've taken a film class. We've taken a film class or two. <laughs> um. Oh, that's true because there is always the element of like yes it's so funny because the and plot, yes and it really mirrors sorry to interrupt no, you no, it no. really mirrors Keanu's journey because he is in over his head oh
1: in more uh... ways than one did I nail it you did <laughs> I hate it but you're right <laughs> I'm
0: not wrong you are, <laughs> I can't argue with that
1: but yes they all learned to surf for this movie they they trained with an Olympic surfer for two months
0: prior to the beginning of, of it production. is evident and it's good because you can't really have... The funny thing is that it's a surf movie, but really it's about a FBI, like, sting. Like, it's less... It's yeah. not even really about surfing, but everybody thinks of it as a surfing movie. Surfing is really just a device. It is. Yeah. The ocean is just a character... Agreed. ...that sets the backdrop. And a metaphor. And... For and things metaphor. that we're perhaps
1: keeping beneath the surface. Okay. <laughs> I think we have officially squeezed all we can... <laughs> Out of this movie <laughs> Yes, do you want to hear some other fun facts? Always So production actually started in the mid-80s Even though this movie came out several years later It was sort of in, you know, in wow. development for many years And many people were in contention to play Johnny Utah Do you want to hear some of the other people who almost played would the part? I love nothing more Matthew Broderick No <laughs> Johnny Depp Oh, yeah, I could, uh, I see why But also They would've, but no No Val Kilmer Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And Charlie Sheen. Wow.
0: Well, I think they nailed it. Because the thing about Keanu is that, we've said this so many times, but he just has an air of likability. Like, you just, like, by default, like him. And you want to root for him. And Mm -hmm. I feel like all of those actors like Matthew Broderick is too it doesn't have enough edge. Agreed. Val has like too much edge. Agreed. You know, Keanu really splits the difference. He really finds that sweet spot. And
1: most importantly, he's he comes he really plays like impressionable really well. Mm. Like he comes across as like very fresh-faced and like yes. You know, impressionable like his character kind of is in the film, but also as somebody who has kind of like a very deep emotional life under the surface. You know, like, there's a lot going on. Back it's, to the ocean sorry, metaphor. Sorry, you thought we were done, but we're <laughs> Here not. We're not. We're not, we're not, we're not.
0: And no one does the confused face better than Keanu. We've said it once, we will say it a hundred more times. No one, no one does it like Keanu. No one plays conflicted better. No one plays, like, where did I park? <laughs> <laughs> better than Keanu.
1: Or, do I smell a fart? Better yeah. than Keanu.
0: <laughs> like, was that <laughs> me?
1: Patrick, did you... Cut the cheese? Which one of them? I'm here, you? It's true.
0: Yeah. Perplexed. Absolutely. Just in a constant state of confusion. Yes.
1: Also, as I said, um, James Cameron, executive producer oh. of the film, also, even though he is not credited as a screenwriter, did a fair amount of writing on the script. In the writer's room. In the writer's room. Did a fair amount of writing on the script, which also really tracks.
0: Oh, that a thousand. The second you said he was a producer on this movie, I was like, mm, that yes, that makes <laughs> yeah. sense. Nobody loves a convoluted plot like James Cameron. Nobody loves a <laughs> masturbatory scene. Do you want to know what it like says James on Wikipedia?
1: Cameron. It says only W. Peter Iliff is credited for the screenplay, but Cameron has said that he did a considerable amount of writing with Bigelow for the final film,
0: helping to establish a better plot flow. James, James Cameron. I doubt that. <laughs> Really not his strong suit. I call bullshit. <laughs> yes. Perhaps that's what you thought you were doing. I believe that you went in with that intention. What I James. envision
1: is that James Cameron went into it thinking that that's what he was doing, but in instead he just added all of the really gay shit.
0: You know, <laughs> that's, that's probably super think. true. And then Catherine was like, mm, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. So there's, it
1: definitely, it feels kind of like a James Cameron movie in that way. It kind of does. That makes a lot of sense. He's got a, he's got a voice. What can I say? Um, a specific kind of Like it or not. Yeah, like it or not. He stamps,
0: he has his stamp on shit. True enough. Um, and that's point break. And that's point break. Everybody go watch it. It's such an incredible movie. It is as convoluted as we tried to make it not. And Kiana really makes it.
1: He knows how to sell it, you know? He knows how to sell a concept, sell a character, and the character's choices that maybe are insane, like jumping out of a plane without a parachute. I believe that
0: Keanu would do it. I mean, that's the thing. As I said, as the viewer, I was like, oh, that's what's going to happen because they set it up. Yes, they do. And he brings it home. He does. Okay. Shall we move on to our segment? Point break. Yes. (sighs) Break from point break. Break from point break. It's a segment. It's time for a segment. Mm Mm-hmm. What is the segment? You did a song last week, so
1: yeah, I don't remember song. the song. It's something like, segment time, segment time, bu- 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 segment time. Um, anyway. I mean, you did promise
0: it would be different every time,
1: so. Well, <laughs> we don't disappoint. I'm always topping myself. Okay,
0: the segment this week is things we believed as a child. Correct. I could only think of one. Okay, that's fine. I thought of other ones earlier, but just didn't write them down. That's okay. Would you like to go first? No, I want you to go first. I believed as a child, let me rewind, in kindergarten, Yeah. where we both were together, Mm -hmm. I have a very distinct memory of sitting on the floor, as kindergartners do, and we were learning how to tell time. Aw. You know, like analog, obviously. And they had, you know, the the big clock and you can like move Move the the hands. hands. And it's like, now what time is it? And I never knew. And I always was just like half a second behind everyone else. It's like, (laughs)
1: 1142. Yes, it
0: is.
1: Also my first guess. Also what
0: I was going to say. (laughs) And I remember thinking, this is dumb. Mm -hmm. This is something adults know Mm -hmm. when I ask people, what time is it? They look up at the clock. They tell me what time it is. Mm-hmm. So in my brain, I was like, great. At some point, this is knowledge that will just be bestowed upon me like <laughs> as an adult. I was like, one day I will wake up. Magically, we'll know how to tell time. Amazing. So in class, I was like, if that is to happen, don't need to pay attention right now. Fair enough. Don't need to learn this right now because it's just going to happen. Didn't not realizing that A, no. <laughs> and b that the way you know things as an adult is because you learned is because them. you yeah. learned them yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah it does not just
1: happen yeah uh, unfortunately you do not wake up know- one day knowing how to do your taxes no wake up knowing how to do literally anything. literally anything true enough we all have to learn it's true and so nobody can do that that's, for us
0: uh why i still don't know how to tell time
1: <laughs> <laughs> have i told the santa one before okay so as a child Um, obviously at some point, I mean, obviously you did not, you do not celebrate Christmas, but, um, we did. And my, my mom was super into Christmas, always made that time of year very special and was like very invested in keeping the magic alive. As a lot of people are. As a lot of people are. Very invested in keeping Santa's magic alive and well in our household. And as a result, I believed in Santa for way too long, way too long. And I, and I believed it so much that... People told me the truth, which is that your parents are Santa, sorry, your parents are Santa, and that they're the ones who put out the gifts, that people told me that, and I was like, um,
0: well, maybe for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you were like, you're a terrible child, so that's like, clearly why Santa
1: isn't coming. No. And my theory was—I don't remember what my theory was—but I had some like very complicated theory. I was like, "Yeah, people say that it's your parents, and maybe that's part of it. I think Santa helps your parents get you the presents." Was I think my working theory? I like it. I like that you were trying to keep the magic alive, but also logic it out. How old do you think I was when this was my theory? I want oh, you to guess. Thirteen. <laughs> You're close. You're unfortunately very close. I was, like, 11. Okay. (laughs) That's not
0: too long.
1: But most people, by the time they're seven or eight, are fully aware. (laughs) Have, like, at that point, caught on to the charade. Okay, sure. But my mother was so touched that I still was deluding myself into thinking Santa was real that she did not correct me. And talks about that time when she gaslit me very fondly she's like oh you were my child who believed in santa the longest isn't that so
0: sweet so your twin and younger sister both yeah. were like mm-hmm. no dice and you're like yes yeah pretty much <laughs> that's so funny because of the three of you you would be the one that in my brain would be like three years old and be like guys this is not real.
1: Well, I learned from
0: that fucking experience, didn't I? And now I trust no one.
1: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I don't know if, when, when I have kids if I will, how long I will keep the Santa thing going. The Santa ruse. Because here's the thing. Nobody likes feeling lied to and nobody likes feeling tricked. But that's what we're doing.
0: Yeah, it does walk that line between like fun, magical, childish, keeping, you know, the spirit alive of the season and I mean were you when you so what was your like reckoning I like, think when it was just really... like
1: I think at some point I just realized like yeah I I'm just even at the time I was like I know I'm making this up yeah but I, it feels yeah. I could like sense that it was important to my mom that I hang on to it I was like I know this is part of growing up and I know that like under accepting this means that I'm not a kid anymore like I think on some level I understood that and I was like let me just keep this going for a little longer but I kind of knew and then eventually I was like well this is now more work than just accepting the truth so then was like okay yeah all right okay fine but that was after like a couple years of everybody being like and you know (laughs) that Santa is not real and I was like but do you know that maybe he is (laughs) look
0: he either like,
1: is or he isn't. He either is or
0: he isn't. It's interesting that you say that because it's so funny that, like, when kids are younger, we, like, force them to believe that. Yes. But then after a certain age, we're like, how could you possibly believe that? <laughs> I know!
1: It's so fucked <laughs> it's up. like,
0: because you kept telling me! <laughs> yeah! What do
1: you mean? Anyway, that's the segment. <sighs> right. I liked ours. Both of ours were very fun. <laughs> and now, having worked with children quite a bit, they really do believe pretty much anything like I think that's another thing too like now understanding how actually easy it is to get a child to believe something I'm like this feels manipulative
0: I mean that's the thing is like it's so easy to like get kids to do things that you want to do by lying yeah by just lying and I think it is funny growing up realizing the things that you believe yeah that that, people are lying to you all the time well okay well (laughs) sure I was going to say with more like Empathy for my parents being like, oh, now I get why you said that. No, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like all well-intentioned lying. Yeah.
1: But lying,
0: nonetheless. Lying, nonetheless. A falsehood, regardless. I will say, I will uh, just piggyback off of yours and say that the Tooth Fairy was Mm. really big in our family. Oh. So, like, Santa Claus, obviously no, but... The Tooth Fairy? The Tooth Fairy was a big deal. Yeah,
1: we... I think that one for some... Like... Just to clarify again, like, I had already, like, debunked. I was like, yeah, the Tooth Fairy is definitely your parents. Easter Bunny, also definitely your parents. But Santa, that's the one that's not...
0: He's the real one. (laughs) He's
1: the one that's real.
0: (laughs) The one you gotta look out for. But,
1: um, anyway, a few years gone by, and I had, of course, grown out of said beliefs. And I'm gonna tell this story without revealing the identity of my wonderful classmate. But in eighth grade, I was in English class... In my eighth grade class, at which point I was uh, 13, so I was a little old. Most people, um, whatever, it's irrelevant. Irrelevant. The point is, I was—I no longer believed in anything, and assumed that no one else did either. <laughs> I believed in nothing. <laughs> there was no Santa, th- and therefore there was no God. <laughs> <It> was <just laughs> darkness. Y- yeah, just an endless abyss, waiting out the time. I was really just waiting to be future worm food. Um, very nihilistic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pubescent teenage yes, girl anywhoosie in English class and my wonderful teacher English teacher who I loved he was so lovely um, he said some comment blah 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 like you know how the tooth fairy isn't real and 99.9% of the people in the class were like yeah except for this one girl in my class who broke down in tears because she still believed in the tooth fairy and that <sighs> was the one thing she still believed in and then that was pretty much the rest of the class we couldn't we couldn't do anything after that i mean there is no moving on from from that no like, i mean we just had to watch her heartbreak in real you, time yeah.
0: really how do you move on poor girl you don't <laughs> you don't <laughs> how do you move on from anything you don't you just don't <laughs> and with that and with that we will bid you you <laughs> until next time until next time cowboys what will we be talking about who knows i don't know definitely something with keanu. keanu we'll have to consult the google doc you will find out when we do
1: we're going through this journey together one step at a time and blessings to you blessings to you and blessings to keanu most importantly mm
0: this has been your next obsession locally produced in a very hot apartment in los angeles we're your hosts quinn and renee special thanks to john o for our music dean for our graphics and quinn for editing you're welcome Let us know what you thought of this episode by leaving a comment and don't forget to subscribe. For more information on us and the show, search Your Next Obsession Podcast on all the social medias and or send an email to yournextobsessionpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening.
1: listening. We're adorable.
0: We're so cute. (laughs)